Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. What's going on, everybody? How are you guys doing today? Everybody good? Hey, who's excited to be in church? Anybody excited to be in church? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, I want to welcome you if this is your first time checking out Elevate. My name is Colby. I'm the pastor here. Uh, You've already met my wonderful, beautiful wife, and we have four little boys, and we just love serving and being a part of this church. And let me just echo what what my wife mentioned earlier. Get the app. Download uh, the, the app so you can see the annual report, and we can all celebrate all that God did in 2019. Hey, before we dive in, we're in a series called His and Hers talking about marriage, relationships, dating, sex. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell them you're looking good. Go ahead, let them know. Come on, you're looking good. And if that was a single person next to you, that was your opportunity right there. Some of you just blew it. Um, I'm gonna talk about one of the biggest things that we need to bring into a relationship that often goes unnoticed. In fact, let me just give you the word. It's the word right here, patience. Somebody say patience. How many of you know it takes a lot of patience? Relationships take patience, but we don't often talk about patience. Where are my uh, millennials and Gen Zers in the room? Raise your hand. Millennial, Gen Zer, I love you, but you don't know a thing about patience because you do not know the pain of dial-up internet. Where's my dial-up internet, people? That's what I'm talking about. Dial-up internet is when, uh, I don't know if you remember, a long time ago when Al Gore invented the internet. It's been a while now. He didn't really do that, by the way. Uh, But you said to dial up the internet over your phone line. And it took you about 30 minutes to actually get online on the internet. And if you were really lucky, by the time you got online, you heard those three magical words, you've got You've got mail, right? If you had an AOL account, you're like, yes, I got mail. Some of you still have an AOL account, and it's time to let it go. In Jesus' name, you need to move on. But if you're online and somebody else in the house picked up the phone, it would knock you off the internet. And you're like, dad, I was on the internet. Your dad's like, you're on the what? You know, because he doesn't know. But we don't have a lot of, of patience. In fact, we didn't have playlists. We didn't have Spotify when I was growing up. We had cassette tapes. Anybody remember cassette tapes? Right, right? And if the string, the cassette tape started coming out, you take your pinky, you try to kind of reel it back in. But cassette tapes is what we listen to our music on. And uh, if you couldn't, you know, afford the whole album, you went and bought the single of the cassette tape. And I was thinking about that and thinking about, um, I, was, I was remembering LL Cool J. And some of you are like, oh, the actor? No, the rapper. He was a rapper first. When I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at the wall, and in the back of my mind, I can hear my conscience call telling me I need a, come on, anybody else? I need a dove, yeah. He was a rapper, and that's what I would listen to on my, my cassette tapes, and then something amazing came out, and I no longer had to listen to my cassette tape on my boom box. You guys remember the boom box? Anybody in the room do the shoulder carry for the boom box? Raise your hand. Those are the coolest people in the room right now. They don't look like it, but they used to be cool. But then the Walkman came out, right? And you could take your music with you wherever you went. 
And then after the Walkman came out, then they came out with the CDs, the, the Discman. And the Discman, you played your music on your, your CDs. And some of you don't know what that is even. You should ask your mom or your dad, but you take this disc. And the cool thing about the Discman was that you didn't have to fast forward to the song. You could just hit next, like skip. I'm going to skip that, go right to the next song. And if you were lucky, you had anti-shock on that disc, man, right? So it wouldn't skip. Uh, and if you were really lucky, you had a button that if, as you were listening to a song, you thought, this song needs a little more bass. Click bass boost. Anybody remember bass boost? Now it thumps. And then the cars came out and they, they stopped taking cassettes or, or, or they would have CDs and cassette players. And some of you still have your little cassette player with a cord coming out of it. Does anybody still drive a car like that? It's time to upgrade. All right, if that's you. But being impatient with music and wanting it to, to get carried with us, that's okay. That's not a huge deal. But I submit that our impatience has bled over into every part of our life, especially in our relationships. And because we rush into relationships, we rush into that, uh, a lot of times we end up with a lot of hurt and heartache and baggage that we carry along the way. And so I want to talk about how we develop patience and have patience in our relationships. Uh, if you Google the question, what's the most important thing on your wedding day, you know what comes up? It says the, the dress for the bride. It's the dress is the most important thing. Uh, other ones say that the groom shows up on time. That's important. Some of you guys didn't do that. Uh, others say that the bride shows up. Uh, another one says the cake. You know, that's the most important thing. One lady said, none of that's important. You too, it's your day. You just have a great day. That's the most important thing. Can I tell you what? None of those are the right answer. None of them. In fact, I'm going to tell you something that nobody will tell you before your marriage. You know what the most important thing on your wedding day is? It's your past. Because you can make a promise all day long, but if nothing in your life indicates that you are able to keep that promise, it's just words. It's your past. It's your experiences. It's what you've, you've brought into that. Let me, let me put it this way. Say you wanted to go to a bank and take out a million-dollar loan, right? Million dollars. And, and you wanted to look the part, and you didn't have a suit, so you went out and rented a suit. You rented an Armani suit, and you borrowed your buddy's Rolex watch. But if you, if you got a buddy with a Rolex, hey, we should talk, all right? But you borrowed his watch. You rented a Ferrari. And so you rolled up into that bank and said, I want to talk to the bank president. And they're like, do you have a, an appointment? And you're like, no. Do you see my car? And they're like, eventually they get the bank president. Right, and he comes out and says, hey, what do you need? You're like, oh, I wanna make a million, I want a million dollar loan. And he's like, that's great, Mr. Atkins, we would love to help you with that, that loan. Here's what I need from you. I need your full name, your driver's license number, your social security number, your, your address, you know, your blood type, you know, whatever it is. Why? Because he's not gonna take your word that you're good for it. He's gonna look at your past seven to 10 years or more of your financial history to determine what your future looks like. So why on earth, right? And it doesn't matter if you look the part, doesn't matter if you're dressed up like the part, he's not gonna do it based on what you tell him that you can do. So why on earth do we put more value on our money than we do on our marriage? Because some of you, you are marrying people you would not loan $50 to. Where did we go wrong? 
And I submit we went wrong because we got impatient. And somewhere along the way, we started to build our relationships on the wrong thing. In fact, we got them out of order. That's the title for this message if you want to jot that down. I'm calling this Out of Order. And today I want us to slow down a little bit and I want to give you some tools that will help you and I get our relationships back in the right order. I have some things I want to give to the married people and then some things I want to give to the single people in the room. But this is going to be for both of you. Like you should listen up. They will both apply uh, to both married and singles. First, I got five things for the married people. Here we go. The first is this. You got to be committed to us. Write that down. Committed to us. Besides your decision to follow the person and the principles and the practices of Jesus, the, the greatest decision you will ever make is who you choose to do life with. Who you choose as your life partner. Did you know that? Like even that's, I say life partner because really that's how God designed it. In the, in the garden, he had Adam and Adam was alone. He said, I'm going to make a helper that is suitable for him. Eve was his, his helpmate. It was to be his, his partner. You have to see it that way. When you stand at the altar and you say, I do, you are saying more than I do to a boo. You with me? You're saying, I do choose you forever. I do choose to, to buy property with you. I do choose to have a family with you. I do choose to wake up next to you for the rest of my life, right? You're saying more than just I do to a person. And you have to see it that way. It, it, how you behold something determines how you behave in that thing. So how you, how you see it determines how you treat it. And if you treat it as casual... Like you have to be more committed to the we than to the me. And as married, married couples, you guys know this, right? Because in the first year of that relationship, everything shocks it. Everything kind of rocks the boat. Any argument, any fight that you have, you're wondering, did I make a bad decision? Did I marry the right person? Is it the person that God has for me? And if you're not committed to the we, you'll start tossing around terms like divorce early on in the marriage, early on in the in the, the early days of it, just to use it as leverage or as a bargaining chip, don't do that. You have to be committed, committed to a uh, second thing for the, the married couples. You have to avoid failing at their mind. What does that mean? It's actually a counseling term, and it, it means that our human nature is to we believe, uh, in fact, you believe this way, whether you realize it or not, but we believe that everyone else thinks like we do or believes as we do. You're like, no, I don't, I don't believe that. Yes, you do. I'll prove it to you. That's why you are shocked when you're driving on the highway and people are driving around you. You are shocked that that, that person can drive the way they do and still have a license. And you're mad at them and you're yelling at them and you're angry. Like, why are you driving that way? You're giving hand gestures to them. Come on, I know you are. Which is why, you know, we have Elevate Church bumper stickers, but some of you, we don't want you putting them on your car. <laughs> because we don't want people knowing where you go to church, all right? I'm just, right? Because to some degree, we all think and believe that, that, that we're the same or think the same or that your common sense is my common sense. That's what we believe. And so that's why we're shocked when we get married and the person that we love and have devoted our life to, we wake up one day and we think, you're crazy. Like, why do you think that way? 
Where did you learn to get that from? What, like, why, why do you think that? Like, for me, I'm like, Christian, you're crazy. Like, who, who thinks that, that, that pancakes are they garnish to the bowl of syrup? Like, she thinks that the, the pancakes are the side and the syrup is like the main dish. She's like, elf, right? She's just it's anything that's the main food group, syrup, candy, candy corn, candy canes. Or she thinks, Colby, where'd you get the idea that you should put butter on your Pop-Tart? Yeah, that's what I do right there. Like, who told you that? That's crazy. Or we think things like, um, why don't you think this way? Why is this thing not important to you? And the reason is you want them to think like you think. You want them to respond like you respond because you assign your thoughts and your ideas to them, and it's not their ideas. It's not their thoughts. You want them to have the same sense of taste. You want them to have the same sense of smell. You want them to have the same kind of a level of organization as you do. Ultimately, what you wanted was to marry someone who was just like you. Boom, how's that for getting psychoanalyzed today, right? <laughs> like to some degree, that's what we all wanted because we believe that people generally think like we think and believe like we think, and it's called failing at their mind. And how we avoid that is to communicate, don't isolate, is to not shut down, is not to do the silent treatment, but is to say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. In fact, in counseling, it's called having a tell culture. Like, this is what's going on. This is why I feel the way that, that I feel. Don't get quiet, right? Understand that they didn't mean to, to hurt you. They didn't mean to make you feel the way that you feel about that. It's just that they aren't you, and you aren't them. See, Kristen is going to be great at being Kristen. She's going to be terrible at being Colby. And the other way around. Stop holding them accountable to, to your thoughts, your feelings about something, right, that they don't have any idea of. Avoid failing at their mind. Number three, married people, think beyond a moment. In other words, you need to safeguard your marriage. And you need to protect it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, when you are tempted, not if you're tempted, when you're tempted, God will give you a way out. But if you haven't thought about it in advance, you may not take the escape plan that God puts in front of you. You might not take the way out. In fact, this is what I tell the guys in the room. Um, this will help you because a lot of times we don't think beyond the moment. Well, I said last week that, you know, we have, we have a lot of thoughts like we have, that's why the Bible tells us to take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. The Bible says we are to flee from sexual immorality. That Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. Like we have a lot of thoughts. And in order to help you think beyond the moment, here's what I want you guys to do. Next time your wife is out of the house and your kids are out of the house, you set the table up and you put up chairs representing your wife and all of your kids. And you, and you act like you have this conversation with them, with the air. And this is what you say. You say, hey, I need to tell you all, dad made a mistake. And because dad made a mistake, then we have to figure out where dad's going to live. And I want you to know I love you. And I want you to know that, that you know, it's, it's something that daddy did. And I'm sorry for it and all that. And then I want you to picture their responses. Picture, you know, how they, they react to that, that news. I promise you, if you practice that, it will help you to think not just about the moment, but beyond the moment. Because a lot of times we don't. We just think about what we can get in the moment, in that, in that time, but we just need to think about beyond that. We need to think that I am right now, with every decision I make, creating a past 
right, that will show up in my future. And so we need to think beyond that. We need to protect it. Number four, married couples, turn to your neighbor and say, fight fair. That's number four. Fight fair. If you said it, like, through your teeth, fight fair. That's not fair. Or if you elbowed them, fight fair. That's not fair. You need to learn to fight fair. Because how many of you know, married couples, we fight a lot in our marriages, don't we? The single people, you have no idea how much you're going to fight in your, in your marriage. You just... But you need to learn to fight fair. I've done premarital counseling with people that have told me, Colby, we never fight. Like, we're just, we never got into a fight. We just love each other. You know, he's my little dove. She's my little dove. And we just, you know, there's, he can do no wrong. She can do no wrong. I look at them and say, I'm not marrying you until you have a fight. Until, why? Because what happens when they have a fight? And they don't know what to do with all these feelings of anger and animosity towards their little dove. They're like, where's this feeling coming from, right? What do I, you need to learn how to fight and to fight fair. And can I give you a key word? How to fight fair is kindness. It's kindness because when kindness has left the building, love has left the building. Respect, honor, when those things are gone, the love is gone. And love is not going to keep you together, by the way. Commitment will. And so you need to learn. You better make sure that you learned how to fight, fight fair. Number five, for the marriages, for the married people, you got to work in your marriage. Not just on it, but you got to work in it. Here's two practical ways you can work in it. One, serve together in church. Like serve in the kids' ministry together, serve at the door, serve in the parking lot, serve doing outreach, go on a missions trip together. I mean, there's just something beautiful about serving alongside of your spouse serving others that need it the most. So I'd say serve together. And number, number two, uh, as a part of that, get counseling. I don't need counseling. Yes, you do. We all do. Get counseling. Get a marriage mentor in your life. Find couples, right, that you can do life with that can speak into your marriage. Kristen and I, we have, we have pastor couples that are in the same kind of stage of life as we are, same challenges that we have, you know, with lots of kids and, and a growing church ministry. And so we, we speak into their life, they speak into our life. You need to have people in your life. And if you would say, we don't need that, can I tell you something? You're just being dumb. Not my words, but God's words. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 15, the way of the fool, right, seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. You need to have people in your life that will speak into your relationship, that will speak into your, your marriage, get some help. All right, single people, here we go. First, for you, check what you expect. In other words, be reasonable with your expectations because some of you single people have a huge list of what Mr. Wright looks like, what Mrs. Wright looks like, well, she's gonna be a supermodel, or where he's gonna be tall, at least 6'2". He's going to be dark, you know. He's going to have a Mediterranean vibe to him. He's going to be Aladdin. Basically, he's Aladdin. That's who I'm looking for. Can I tell you, some of you girls, like if you were living in Bible times, Jesus would not be on your list. Like the Son of God would not make your list because you'd be like, I don't know. I don't like his beard. I don't like these 12 guys he's always hanging out with. I don't know what he's wearing. Those are sandals. And the Visco girl's are like, oh, that's my favorite part. You know, sandals. <laughs> he's always talking about his purpose, his purpose, his purpose. What about, what about me? Listen, you need to stop making a list of expectations and start making a list of values. Amen. 
values. You know why? Because expectations change. How many of you know what you wanted in somebody at 20 is different when you're 40? It's different. Expectations change. Values, though. Man, values should be constant in your life. In fact, you should have two lists of values. Write this down. One is primary values and secondary values. Primary values are those values that are closed fist values that you don't let go of, that you hold on to. A primary value could be, I feel called to, to serve outside of myself. I feel called to do missions. I feel, I feel called to, to help people that are in a financial kind of, of pit, you know, help them find freedom in their finances. That could be a primary value. So you need to find somebody that shares that primary value or at least has a heart for it. Because what happens if, if you don't and you feel called to go and do that thing you know, that you feel called to, but you're always gonna feel like that other person is holding you back because they don't share it. You're always gonna be bitter at them, you're gonna be mad at them because they're keeping you from your purpose or your, your dream that you have. No, they're not, they just don't have that same value. Are you with me? So you have to make sure you have your primary values and those are non-negotiable. Those are, um, you know, you don't, those are closed fists and then secondary values are negotiators. Like those things you can negotiate. Maybe you're, you're a huge Penn State fan. Again, okay, Penn State fans in the room. Say you're a huge Penn State fan and you're dating someone and through the course of, of, of dating, you know, you find out that they love Jesus and they're a little more godly and they're an Ohio State fan, all right? Just throwing that out there. That's a secondary value, all right? Are you with me? Some of you are like, no, that's a, that's a primary value. That's why you're single, bruh. All right, I just, that's why you're single. If that's a primary value, those are secondary values. And here's why I say this, because our expectations change and because our values are constant, here's what's critical, that you find your value and your worth in Christ first. Because expectations will change. But when you find your value and your worth in Christ, you know what, your internal value goes up. And when your internal value goes up, your external value, your external esteem, it goes up as well. What are you saying? I'm saying that if you're not happy with you, if you're not happy with something about you, your, your age, your weight, you know, your whatever it is, you have to first be happy and have a, a strong internal value. And if your value is found in Christ, when your internal value goes up, your self-esteem goes up. But if you have a low self-esteem, then you will have low standards. And when you have low standards, you will compromise your values. So you first need to find your value in Christ. Are you with me? Like it starts there. Find your worth in Christ. And then out of that, you just, you don't jump at the first thing that comes along because you know where your value is. But if you're not happy with who you are now, I'm telling you, it's really hard because you're going to look all over the place for somebody to fill something inside of you that they never can, and they were never meant to fill. So first, find your value in Christ. Number two, single people, do not pursue a relationship until you're ready to marry, until you're, I would say, in a season of life when you are ready to marry. Colby, that's crazy. That's old school. Like, we're just, we're just having fun together. That's the problem. Do you know that dating didn't come about until about the 1920s? 
but we all started dating, and then it's actually blown out of control to where now it's recreational kind of dating. Just, we're just having fun. We're just looking for a good time. That's the problem. The goal is not to have a great night. The goal is to have a great legacy, something that you can build on. But if we're just kind of looking for, you know, the next greatest thing, what happens is if we're not careful and we get into a relationship out of season, it could derail the purposes and the plans that God has for your life. For example, say you're a sophomore in college and you know that you want to go to med school. You know you want to go to LECOM or you're, you're a LECOM student now, and you know what that's going to require of your time and of your commitment, right, of the studying and the academics that are involved in that is probably not the right time to start a new relationship. Like otherwise, I've seen people do it before. They get into a relationship and then they, they get married and then they're, they're, they're bitter because someone kept them from their dreams. It derailed their dreams. It, it might have delayed it or completely deleted it altogether, and so they're carrying that with them. You just got to make sure you're in the right season before you get married. I'll say it like this. If you can't get a job or you can't keep a job, it might not be the right time to start a relationship. Come on, ladies, right? If you can't stop smoking weed, why are you going to talk about weed, man? It's natural. God made the weed, bro. Okay. God also made poison ivy. You don't roll it up and smoke it. Some of you tried it, though. You tried it. Some of you tried it. And I'm not, I'm not saying about the weed, man. I'm just saying anything. Weed, alcohol, any addiction that you have, anytime you are under the influence of something, you are emotionally unavailable. Anytime. It doesn't matter what it is, you're emotionally unavailable to your spouse, you're emotionally unavailable to your family. Like, so just make sure, right, that you are in the right season, you are ready to engage in a relationship because you are ready for marriage. Number three, for the single people, like what you look at. Amen. Amen. In other words, you need to be attracted to the person, right, that you want to spend the rest of your life with. Because you got to look at them for a long, long time. <laughs> Kobe, that's so shallow. That's so mean. You know, I, I'm sorry, you know, but love's blind, but, right? You better make sure you like what you look at. Um, I don't know about you, but I love what I look at. I don't know where she is. I was looking for her, but I was trying to score some points. Number four, postpone the physical. There's one amen. I got, it's going to get quiet. From this point on, it's going to get quiet. I just let me throw that out there. That means hands off before marriage. Colby, where do you get that? God's word. God himself in the garden officiated the very first wedding between husband and wife. The Bible tells us that the marriage bed is to be left undefiled. In fact, uh, 1 Corinthians 7.1 says this, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Dang, Kobe, I could have gone my whole life and I had to heard that verse right there, right? But, but what, what, what do you mean by touch? Well, in the Greek, touch means to burn with desire. That's what it's referring to. So single people, anything that would cause you to burn with desire you got to hold off. Yeah, 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 but, 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 but how far can I go? How far is too far? I hear that all the time. How far, how far is too far? Let's talk about that. 
how, how, where's the line? Colby, just tell me where the line is, and I'll get up close to the line, but I won't go over the line. Just get as close to the line as I, I possibly can. You're asking the wrong question, by the way. You need to look at it through, through a biblical perspective, what the Bible says about it. And again, the problem uh, with dating is that that was something that happened in the 1920s, and they just kind of escalated before that. It was really this biblical kind of courtship where you involved your family in the decisions you involved. Uh, there was like prearranged you know, kinds of marriages, which is the father of four boys. I'm kind of four. I'll just throw that out there. Like, that's how it used to be. You involve friends that you trusted in the, the decision. I'm not preaching against dating. I'm saying you need to put it in a biblical kind of context. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But how far is too far? Hang on. According to Scripture, there's only a couple of things that are recognized. All right? Dating's not one of them. It's not one of them. According to Scripture, you are either married or you are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's it. Married or brothers and sisters in Christ. So how far is too far? How far is too far with your sister? Any far. Any far, right? Hey, any far is too far. And this is why I say it. Self-control now equals self-control later on. You don't want someone that has zero self-control. Because if they have self-control, don't have self-control now, that's going to show up in every stage of the life. I promise you. Like, I, I know married couples that have, their, their marriage has been, div, like, fractured by infidelity, and rarely did it ever show up right when they got married. It's something that happened a long time before that. So I'm just saying you need to work through that issue now so that you don't break something else later on. So what are we to do, Colby? Here's what you are to do. Avoid living together until you get married. Avoid the notion that you have to test drive it before you buy it. Because from a biblical perspective, you are wanting the benefits of marriage without the, the covenant and therefore without the covering of God in that relationship. You want to experience all the, the rest of it without committing to it. In fact, I'm not even going to tell you what God's word says because I know there are some people in this room, you're like, whenever you say God's word says, God's word says, I don't believe in God's word. So let me just tell you what a study by UCLA says. In fact, most every other study that I found, couples who live together before they are married have a 50% higher divorce rate, okay? And the divorce rate's already high. It hovers around 50% anyway. Couples who live together before marriage are more likely to commit adultery once they get married. And here's one more. If you've lived with two to three people, you have next to zero chance of a successful marriage. Okay? According to research. Here's what I want to say. If you're living with someone you're not married to, I, I love you. I am not, um, I'm not taking shots at you at all. Okay? I want you to know that. Here's what I want to say. Go home. Have a conversation that goes something like this that just says, tell me why we're not married. And just start there. Tell me, tell me why we are not under the covering and the blessing of God in our relationship. And just start there. And can I tell you, if you come back and you say, you know what, we want to get this right, 
Like, we want to do this God's way. We want to make sure that we're under the blessing and the favor of God. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Go get your marriage license this week. Contact us. We're going to walk with you in through a, a quick kind of thing to make sure that you guys are you know, on the same page together. You go get it this week. Next weekend, you come back during the service, I'll marry you myself. Right here, next weekend, okay? I'm serious. I'm dead serious. I'll put on a suit and everything. You've never seen me in a suit before. I'm, I'm that serious about it. But you go do it. You have that conversation. Why aren't we under the blessing. And if you come back and you say, Kobe, uh, blah, 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 but the divorce isn't finalized, stop living with someone else's husband or wife. Amen. Like knock that off right now. I'm serious. And if you would say, blah, 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 we're, just, we're just having sleepovers together. <laughs> we're not doing anything. We're just having sleepovers. All right, listen, sleepovers are fine for eight-year-olds. <laughs> but don't lie. And don't try to tell us, no, 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 when he comes over, he just, he sleeps on the couch. Colby, okay, is that, is that a sin? That's not a sin, but it is a seed. And that will lead to a sin. Amen. My heart really is to protect you from having to carry around extra baggage that you don't need to carry with you. Are you with me? Like, that's just the goal. Not to keep you from doing something, it's to keep you from hurt and pain later on, later on. All right, here's, uh, here's one more. One more for all the non-Christians in the room, the single non-Christians, um, because we have a lot of you that come to Elevate Church. Again, you're kicking the tires of the faith. That um, You haven't made your decision to follow Jesus yet, and I pray and hope that you do make that decision. But to the non-Christians, here you go, number five, don't date a Christian unless you plan on becoming one. There you go. You know why? They won't be happy with just you. They're, they're always going to want to change you. They, they want you to give your life to Jesus. No, 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 Colby, Colby, they told me that they're okay with me just being me. Hey, you're sitting in church right now. It's a trap. <laughs> they're trying to fool you, all right? They're hoping that if they bring you to a relationship series, you will make a decision to give your heart to Jesus. And I pray you make that decision too. But I'm saying don't date a Christian unless you're planning on becoming one. Besides, if you're dating a Christian and you're sleeping with them, then that makes them a hypocrite and you don't like hypocrites. That's the reason you don't want to be a Christian anyway, right? So where did we get this all wrong? We have to back up to the root of the issue, the root of our psychology. Uh, every study that I read has um, had some semblance of, of these characteristics that every child needs in order to grow into a healthy, mature adult. Here, here's the list. They need respect. They need encouragement, comfort, security, approval, support, acceptance, appreciation, attention, and affection. That's what every child needs to grow into a healthy, mature adult. Now, growing up, I got a lot of those. Maybe not all of them, but I had a great childhood Truthfully, some of you didn't get any of that. And because you didn't get any of those things, when you grow up, now you're searching for it. You're searching for those things that you did not get as a, as a child, and you're, you're going around from person to person saying, hey, can you give that to me? Can you fill me that way? Can you, can you fill that, that void that's, that's missing in me? And you find somebody in a relationship, and early on it feels like they can 
You're like, oh, this is great. That, that you, you fill me up this way. And then when that stage of infatuation ends, you start to think, well, maybe you can't do that for me. Maybe you, you can't make me happy. Maybe you can't you know, fill that void, that need that's inside of my life. Maybe you can't give me the joy that I, I'm looking for. Maybe you can't provide for me emotionally the way I thought. Here's, here's the problem with that. I want you to see how closely related that list is to the fruits of the Spirit, to all the things that, that God gives us, the fruits of the Spirit. When you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, and this is kind of a product, a byproduct of what comes into your life, the, the stuff that comes out of your life is, is a direct result of who came in your life. And so look at this, the fruit of the Spirit that comes into your life in Galatians 5.22 says it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Here's my point. Everything that you need is in Christ who is in you. Everything. All those things that we need to be a mature, healthy adult that we're looking for to fill us and satisfy us are already in you through Christ. And so you don't have to go looking for it in other places. But we do all the time. And here's what we do oftentimes. We're like, all right, I'm going to find somebody that, that's attractive, that's hot, that I have chemistry with. Which, by the way, you do know you can have chemistry with just about anybody. No, I'm serious. And so what you do is you start to build the relationship on the, the physical. And immediately, when that happens, you're like, oh, this is awesome. This is so good. This is so amazing. Like, you're the one for me. And you get tied to them emotionally. You're, you're Mr. Right. You're Mrs. Right. This is amazing. I think I, I love you. You know what that is? That's the infatuation stage, which lasts six weeks to 12 months. And in the middle of it, they can do no wrong. In the middle of it, you think they're the, the one for you that, like, they're it. And you're in that love stage. And it doesn't matter how old you are when this happens, by the way. It could be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. It doesn't matter. But initially, you think, man, this is, this is the best thing ever. And then it wears off. And you start to wonder, who are you? And you really don't know who they are because you've attributed your own emotions to that person because you put that on them because of that emotional infatuation stage and then you're like all right since i don't know who you are i gotta figure out who you are and so you want to get to know the person you're like well let's see if i even if i even like you like do do i even like you do we even gel together do we have the same kind of values in our life do i i know you and because that's not really working that well you're like all right Maybe I'm gonna bring other people into the mix. You know, it's not working just hanging out with you, and so I'm gonna get around some other people, and we're gonna come together, and maybe that's what's missing. Maybe that's what's gonna, gonna fill me up and make me whole and, and figure out how to get this thing working, and then when that doesn't work, you would be shocked how many people say, all right, well, I guess we better bring God into it. Maybe we should just have a ceremony. Maybe we should just stand before for God and, and that's gonna fix everything. And it ends up being a mess. It ends up being broken because you've gotten it out of order. And because you got it out of order, your life is out of order. And a lot of times what we do is like, all right, well, that didn't work. 
Let me start again. Oh, that person looks good. And because this is what you know, this is what you started on, you just repeat it over and over again. Can I tell you something? That's never going to work. It's never going to work. What you have to do is say, okay, my value, who I am, my worth is found right here. That's it. I don't need anyone else to fill me up. I don't need, I need God's spirit living inside of me to bring me that love, patience, peace, joy, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I know where my value is. And because it, it raises my internal esteem, it, it raises my self-esteem, my, my external esteem as well. I just get, get built up. I know where that is. And then you're like, okay, maybe, maybe I can get around some other people that kind of feel the same way. And that's why we have a lot of groups, by the way. And groups... You don't know how many people have had marriages birthed out of a small group because they're hanging around other people that are kind of like-minded and they're just like, cool. You got people in your life that you're doing life with that can speak into those areas of your life, the things that you struggle with or, or whatever. And this is just a safe kind of environment. And then you see somebody in your group and you're like, huh, kind of cute. In fact, he's fine. I might get to want to get to know that person. And then you get to know him. And in this stage, you're like, all right, like, are, do your values line up with my values? And if they don't, by the way, and you end up breaking up and breaking off, that's okay. Because here's where you are. You're still you. You still have your identity. You didn't need somebody else to dictate your identity for you. Your identity is right right here. You see how safe this is? And you're like, maybe, maybe we can get along. Maybe we can be friends and hang out. And as that starts to grow, you get to the next stage and you're like, huh, I think I love you. <laughs> and you say it. I love, I said it, I love you. I love you. I love you. And you see where this has been built? How you've gotten the order right? How, it, how it's built to last? How it's, it's strong? And then I love you. And that blossoms into, hey, what's our, our next step after that? Man, let's get together. And you know where marriage is in this? It's right here. It's right here. Do you see how safe this is? Do you see the way that God designed it something that will last? That even if certain things fall apart, your foundation is still strong and where you are? Here's a challenge for us. Most of us live our lives this way. Horizontally. Can you feel me? Can you feel me? Can you feel me? And we're looking to find someone. We find someone, we try to, it doesn't work. That person's not feeling me like I, I thought they could fill me. Can you fill me? And we're searching everywhere for something to fill us up that we can only find in Christ and not until we turn our lives vertically. And we say, all right, God, I'm gonna find my worth, my value, my identity, Everything's going to come from you. Are we filled and are we full and are we overflowing? 
This is the way it should look. Not that I'm expecting someone else to, to fill me up, but I allow God to fill me. And as he fills me, my life spills out and flows out into those around me. And you find someone else whose identity is in Christ and he's filling up their life and it's spilling out to you as well. That's where it has to start. How many of you want to live in this place out of the overflow, come on, of what God has for you? Come on, would you bow your head? close your eyes right now around this room for some of you this could be a holy moment because you've been living with your cup horizontal and you've been searching for someone to fill it up and it just it doesn't work it can't work like it is impossible to get filled up that way and only when you turn your cup vertical and you say all right God I know that this has to start from you and start with you and that as you fill me, and I place my, my life in you, that out of the overflow of that, I'm able to, to be a blessing and to fill those around me. And the reality is some of you have never done that. You've never turned your cup vertical and said, Jesus, take my life. Fill me up. Save me. I want my value and identity to be found in you alone. It's not working other places, is it? but only in you. And I'm gonna give you a chance to do that right now. But in your, in your mind, so to speak, turn your cup vertical. The Bible says that for God so loved for the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And apart from that, you'd have a full life, John 10, 10 tells us. He's come to, to fill you, to give you a new life. If anyone is in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. For some of you, you're trying to pour out into others out of nothing, out of emptiness. And it's time to pour out from a place of being poured into by God. If you'd say, Colby, that's why I'm here. I need to give my life to Jesus to say thank you for dying for my sin. I want to lead you in a prayer that does that. Um, it's not the, the words of the prayer that are important. Really, it's the meaning. It's that you believe it in your heart. The Bible says if we confess Jesus as Lord and we believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So if when I pray that prayer, you'd say, Colby, I'm praying right along with you. Would you right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just throw your hand up in the air and just be bold and say, here I am. In fact, you're just saying, God, fill me. That's what you're doing. God, fill me. God, give me your value. Let my value be found in you and you alone. God, strengthen me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, Jesus, I wanna surrender my life to you today. Thank you for dying for me. Forgive me. I'm a sinner and I trust in you. You can put your hands down. I want to lead you in a prayer that does that. In fact, church, let's encourage those around us and let's pray this out loud with them together for those that for the first time are giving their life to Jesus. Would you just repeat with me? Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. Fill me up. Forgive me. Thank you for dying in my place. I confess you as Lord and as Savior, and I will follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. 
We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.